0: Well, what i don't want to do and i'm not being facetious i don't want to emulate trump's abuse of the constitution and the constitutional authority and, and so
1: well, I, and i mean that sincerely because i often get asked look the republicans don't play it square why do you play it square yeah well well guess what if we do the same thing they do our democracy will literally be in jeopardy
2: well I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: i'm not a joke and yeah, I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress
2: if they're not following the rules? we got to send even, them to jail, uh, you know. Clock
1: jail. Ding, 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 ding. There you go. Send them to jail. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Lock them up. I got the feeling of something. No, I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers
0: to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep
1: from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. We're going to be talking about upstate New York a little bit today. Stand by. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow... Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today as the problems for Michigan GOP gubernatorial candidates just keep getting worse and worse and more embarrassing. I know you're sad about that, Desi Doyen.
0: <laughs> it, it, these are some bizarre stories coming out of these Michigan, are, boy, I tell they you. They keep
1: getting bizarrer and bizarrer by the minute. <laughs> yes,
0: they
2: do.
1: Uh, about two weeks ago, you will recall, five of the ten candidates who are running uh, hoping to qualify for the state's August 2 primary, including the two uh, top two frontrunners, uh, one of them a former Detroit police chief, Five of the 10 of them were disqualified from the ballot after having been discovered to have turned in a collective 68,000 fraudulent petition signatures between them in their effort to qualify to run for the GOP nomination for governor. And uh, that was embarrassing enough on its own but now on Thursday, one of the two who became front runners after all of the other ones were disqualified, one of the two, and by the way, all ten of them were election deniers. So of course. <laughs> uh, uh, you know uh, that they, uh, somehow uh, Michigan was stolen from Donald Trump in 2020. Anyway, one of the two who became front runners after the real front runners were disqualified was arrested. By the FBI on Thursday, as AP reports, Ryan Kelly, one of five Republican candidates left for Michigan governor and an ardent defender of former President Trump, was charged on Thursday for his role in the 2021 post-election riot at the U.S. Capitol. Ryan Kelly, 40 years old, was arrested in western Michigan and awaits a court hearing in Grand Rapids, According to an FBI spokeswoman, his arrest came hours before the House committee investigating the insurrection holds its widely anticipated public hearing on Thursday night, promising to show never seen video, audio and array of evidence highlighting the deadly violence that erupted on January 6th after Donald Trump encouraged the insurrection. We will, of course, have full coverage on our next broadcast on those hearings, as I hope that uh, Digby will be joining us yes. as our January 6 hearing correspondent. In the meantime, the now-arrested GOP gubernatorial candidate in Michigan, Ryan Kelly, uh, he has long acknowledged that he was at the insurrection, but that he didn't go inside the Capitol. In a court document, however, federal investigators filed photos of Kelly trying to rally the pro-Trump crowd. He was recorded on video, apparently, repeatedly waving to the crowd to direct them towards the stairs leading into the building, the FBI says. He used his phone to, quote, film the crowd assaulting and pushing past U.S. Capitol Police officers and was in a crowd that climbed stairs to a Capitol entrance after causing police to retreat, according to the FBI. Kelly is accused of disruptive conduct, injuring public property, and entering restricted space without permission, according to the criminal complaint. He is among more than 800 people who are facing criminal charges in connection with the January 6th riot. And if I'm not mistaken, not a single one of them has been a member of Antifa. That at least that I've heard of. Have you heard of it? No, no. Leftists dressed up as uh, Trump supporters? Apparently we haven't found any yet out of 800 who have been arrested and charged. Although, to be fair, the FBI is still looking for about 350 more of them. So it could happen. (laughs) In uh, in Michigan, Kelly uh, is one of five candidates still on the August 2nd Republican primary ballot, the winner of which will face off against Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the fall. But the problems uh, that, Michi- uh, that Michigan Republicans are facing, specifically with election fraud, seem to run very, very deep this year. As yet another story out of Michigan about fraud has come to light following the recent disclosure of tens of thousands of forged signatures that were submitted by those Republican gubernatorial candidates. And in this case, the election fraud has to do with a ballot initiative. About election fraud. (laughs) Seriously, I will get to that story shortly uh, and a guest in Michigan who can speak to it because it's just kind of amazing. Meanwhile, speaking of Republicans and election fraud, uh, perhaps stories like this may help you understand why Republicans are just so certain that Democrats absolutely must be committing massive uh, fraud, voter fraud, election fraud, whatever they want to call it, particularly by absentee ballot. Why? Well, because they seem to have figured out how to do quite a bit of that voter fraud. <laughs> Thankfully, they keep getting caught. An upstate New York councilman, councilwoman from Troy is being forced out of her city council post after admitting to three federal counts of voter fraud. As reported by the Albany Times-Union, Republican Kim Ash McPherson became the first person snared in a federal grand jury investigation being carried out by the FBI examining what is being described as widespread ballot fraud allegations in Rensselaer County. Really? Yes. Ash McPherson, uh, the Republican who chairs the council's public safety committee and has been a councilwoman in North Troy for more than seven years waived indictment by a grand jury this week and admitted before a U.S. district judge to fraudulently submitting absentee ballots in last year's primary and general elections as she sought reelection to the city council. As part of her guilty plea, she also agreed to resign from her city council position. The charges apparently stem from three fraudulent absentee ballots that Ash McPherson admitted submitting last year in the primary and general elections when she was reelected. According to her plea agreement, she had uh, and this is uh, getting very interesting. According to her plea agreement, she had received guidance on how to submit these fraudulent ballots from an unnamed official at the Rensselaer County Board of Elections. Really? an election insider go figure apparently the uh, ballot uh, one the ballots i should say one in a primary and two in the general election were submitted in the names of two individuals who were residing outside of the US but had voting addresses in Ash McPherson's district according to her plea agreement the unidentified official at the county board of elections had requested the absentee ballot for the June primary through a state elections portal, apparently for her, using the voter's name and date of birth. The county board of elections subsequently mailed the absentee ballots to Ash McPherson's address in Troy. The plea agreement states, quote, neither the defendant nor the county board of elections official had lawful authority to use the voter's name and date of birth in an absentee ballot application it's unclear whether the unidentified board of elections official will face any charges but i'm guessing um yes they should uh earlier this year apparently jason schofield The Republican commissioner for the county's Board of Elections was subpoenaed in connection with the federal investigation. Doesn't mean he's necessarily the official involved here, but he was subpoenaed in connection with the probe. Under federal sentencing guidelines, Ash McPherson, who ultimately was allowed to plead guilty to a single count of identity theft, Well, she still could be sentenced for up to uh, 12 months in jail, although she will receive credit for her, quote, acceptance of responsibility, as uh, it was described by Assistant U.S. Attorney Michael Barnett in court.
0: Well, she is a white lady Republican, so I'd be kind of shocked if she got anything more than a, gosh, don't do that again, young lady.
1: Had she been a person of color, of course, she might be facing years in prison now, like... Crystal Mason in Texas You may recall her She's a black mother of four She was never told that she was not Allowed to vote while she was out of prison On supervised release She cast a provisional ballot At the instruction Of a poll worker when her name Wasn't on the rolls at her normal polling place And she never even had that provisional Ballot counted before She was arrested and sentenced To five years in prison For that crime Now, contrast that with Ash McPherson's successful casting of at least three actually fraudulent ballots that were not even in her name. And, well, you know, just a little bit of identity theft. We'll see if she gets any jail time at all. Councilwoman Sue Steele. A Democrat said Wednesday's guilty plea, quote, raises more questions about the hundreds of hundreds of absentee ballots collected by Ash McPherson and other Republican operatives. By the way, when that sort of thing is done by non-Republicans, it is derided as ballot harvesting, which they just think is terrible. But, you know. Apparently, they're out there doing it. Hundreds of ballots. Uh, She's concerned about those hundreds of ballots that helped decide many local races in Troy and Rensselaer County in 2021, as well as several prior close election cycles, she said. But there seems to be quite a bit of Republican criming in this area. Ash McPherson pleaded guilty less than one month after her brother... Former Hoosick Falls Village Police Chief Robert Ash pleaded guilty to an, a different, unrelated charge. Ash McPherson's plea was the result of an FBI-led investigation that's been examining the, follow, the filing of absentee ballots in multiple elections over the past two years. That investigation is ongoing, but the state police have also been conducting a separate investigation of alleged ballot fraud in the city of Rensselaer in the mayoral race last uh, last November, which is apparently a completely separate story.
0: Wow. So it's all in the family.
1: But the federal investigation began to intensify in recent months. Subpoenas seeking testimony before a federal grand jury were issued to numerous county workers. Those subpoenas sought absentee ballot docu- documents and communications involving multiple county officials. This is even broader. I told you they were served uh, on the county. These subpoenas were served on the county days after FBI agencies, the mobile phones of County Operations Director Richard Christ and Jim Gordon, the county's director of purchasing. Both men are political allies of Republican County Executive Steve McLaughlin.
0: So they have something like a fraud ring going on here.
1: It's sure starting to sound like it, Uh, although we should stress none of these people have had charges brought against them. An alleged fraud ring among the
0: Republicans upstate New York. As
1: it turns out, their phones were seized in early February. This gets worse. Uh, So uh, their phones were seized. Those two guys who were allies of the county executive, Steve uh, McLaughlin, uh, their phones were seized in early February on the same day that McLaughlin appeared in Rensselaer County Court for a pretrial conference in another unrelated criminal case involving the alleged theft and misuse of campaign funds.
0: <laughs> Good Lord.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, in that state police investigation, investigators had been reviewing uh, Christ's involvement. He's the, uh, the county operations director. Uh, had been involved in Chris' involvement with absentee ballots in the Rensselaer mayoral race last fall, and they seized incumbent Republican Mayor Michael Stammel's mobile phone in mid-December at City Hall, apparently as part of this probe. Now, just to be clear, county Republican leaders uh, previously told the Albany Times Union that they were unaware of any fraudulent activity by the party during the 2021 elections. Just to be fair, they say they didn't do it. They know nothing about it. It's just that all of these different people are either pleading guilty to or being investigated for it. Now, look, there I know that seems to be a whole lot of crime going on in upstate New York, uh, in this case by a whole lot of Republicans. But to be frank, I'm sure there are Democrats elsewhere who are doing the same. Even though it does seem like damn near every actual case of voter fraud that we hear about these days happens to be Republicans caught doing it, often, by the way, uh, caught by Republican law enforcement officials, you know, like those, I don't know what, nearly uh, uh, six or a dozen who were caught in uh, Arizona for casting ballots for their deceased relatives or something like that, or because they have property in two different states were caught by the uh, uh, Republican attorney general in Arizona and charged, and yeah, got off with a slap on the wrist. But the point uh, is really that, in fact, all of these things are just penny-ante stuff when it comes to the national level. A vote here, three votes there. Uh, Yes, folks like these should absolutely be held accountable, and yes, absolutely be thrown in jail for purposely defrauding The system. Unlike people like Crystal Mason in Texas, who actually had no idea that she was breaking the law and whose ballot was never actually counted. Uh, But, you know, but these are cases. This is a, a one vote here, three votes there, whatever. Yes, they can make a difference in small local races like the city council in Troy or the mayor's race in Rensselaer. Uh, For example, but none of this uh, is anything like the massive tens and hundreds of thousands of fraudulent ballots in dozens of states that Republicans have been accusing Democrats of casting for so many years. And not only, by the way, not only since Trump decided to lie about fraud as his hoped for ticket in trying to steal the 2020 elections, they have been making these claims for a long time. And I highlight these because it is Republicans who are trying to make it harder for lawful, Democratic-leaning voters to vote, period. They are doing so by pretending that there is massive voter fraud by Democrats going on. But there isn't. It's a scam. And... All of this is about, and we can't, we must not lose sight of this, all of this is about voter suppression. It is not about voter fraud. In Donald Trump's case, of course, he was opportunistically uh, using the idea of fraud in order to try and steal his own election. But in general, well, this idea of, uh, of fraud is not about fraud at all. It's about passing laws that will prevent f- people from being able to vote notably Democratic-leaning people.
0: Yeah, it's about manufacturing a pretext to justify it. And, of course, their voters are more than happy to join along with them, even though it's all fake.
1: So it's it's about voter fraud. Uh, I'm sorry, it's about voter suppression. It's not about voter fraud. Except apparently when Republicans themselves are involved, then, yeah, uh, apparently there's a whole lot of voter fraud going on. And if they want to keep playing this game, great. I will keep calling them out for it. I'm protecting democracy. They are hoping to kill it. And that's exactly what is happening right now in the great state of Michigan, where a GOP scheme to make it harder to vote has now been upended by, you guessed it, election fraud. That amazing story is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one time only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Here we go again. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from uh, bradblog.com. I don't know how to put this any more nicely, but what the hell is going on in Michigan with Republicans and election fraud? Some weeks ago, when news first broke about a massive petition-gathering scandal among Republican candidates vying for the GOP gubernatorial nomination this year, I went all the way back to my own coverage at Bradblog.com way back in 2012 regarding charges filed at that time against... Uh, top staffers of Michigan's then U.S. Congressman Thaddeus McCotter. Four of his aides at the time had been charged with a total of 12 felonies and 21 misdemeanor election fraud charges related to falsifying the 1,000 signatures that were needed to qualify him for his reelection bid back in 2012. And now, a decade later... Five of the 10 Republicans running for the nomination for governor were found by the state's board of elections to have submitted some 68,000 fraudulent signatures on their petitions which required 15,000 valid ones on each to qualify for the ballot. That uh, led to the disqualification of those candidates, including the two front runners at the time, businessman Perry Johnson, whose campaign had submitted more than 9,000 forged signatures, and Detroit's former police chief, James Craig, who is said to have submitted more than 11,000 fraudulent signatures, meaning that neither of them submitted the 15,000 legitimate ones required to qualify. A few days later, the state board of canvassers rejected their candidacies based on those fraudulent signatures. Several of the disqualified Republicans vowed to appeal the matter to the courts, claiming that it was somehow The state's fault that they had hired contractors who created fraudulent signatures, which, of course, the candidates then failed to vet before submitting them. But as I noted at the time, those appeals were unlikely to be successful. And in fact, to date... They have not been. Now, on a political level, that meant that there were two new front runners for Michigan's GOP nomination for governor this year. Right wing talk show host Tudor Dixon, who's denied that Joe Biden won Michigan in the 2020 election and went on to receive the endorsement from the wealthy and very powerful DeVos family in the state. Though she has not yet been endorsed by uh, by Donald Trump, to my knowledge, uh, Dixon did receive a shout out at one of his rallies in Michigan last month, describing her as, quote, fantastic and, quote, brilliant. The other GOP frontrunner remaining in the race, Ryan Kelly, also a 2020 election denier in Michigan, where Joe Biden actually defeated Trump by some hundred and fifty thousand votes, Ryan Kelly took part in the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and was, in fact, arrested on Thursday and charged by the FBI in relation to his part in those attacks. But never mind that for now. Again, what the hell is going on with Michigan when it comes to Republican signature gathering fraud? Because now the story has gotten even worse or at least more insane According to Igor Derish, this week at Salon, organizers of a Republican-backed Michigan ballot petition to enact voter restrictions to combat would-be voter fraud in the state missed the state's filing deadline last week after discovering, wait for it, tens of thousands of fraudulent signatures on their petitions. That's right. A petition drive for an initiative to supposedly combat election fraud appears to have failed due to GOP election fraud. Uh, I feel like I need to say this, but you can't make this up. Michigan Republicans have been pushing a Citizens Initiative petition known as Secure My Vote. It's actually Secure Mi, The abbreviation for Michigan vote, but I'm guessing they say it's secure my vote, which would impose extreme photo ID restrictions on voters, restrict absentee voting. It would ban private donations to help keep polling places open. The petition drive was launched after Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer vetoed a slew of voting restrictions passed by the Republican majority state legislature. Though the petition is ostensibly a citizen initiative, as Darish reports, voters are actually not expected to see the measure appear on the actual ballot, even if it were to qualify. Why? Well, Republicans have openly plotted all along to exploit a provision in the Michigan state constitution that allows the legislature to adopt a citizen's initiative that has qualified for the ballot and then just Pass it in the legislature with a simple majority vote, which the governor then cannot veto. Sort of an end run around the executive branch, as, as I understand it in this case, to impose severe restrictions on the state's voters. Now, organizers had planned to submit the petition to the state by last Wednesday's deadline, but abruptly backed down after discovering around 20,000 signatures were fraudulent. Hey, at least they bothered to check first this time. Organizer Jamie Rowe said at a press conference last week, quote, The fact of the matter is our volunteers, our supporters had put in too much hard work for us to end up getting bounced off the ballot due to some technicality. A technicality? 20,000 forged signatures? Uh, Would that have been merely a technicality if a left-leaning group had done anything even close to that? The entire decades-old community group ACORN, which legally registered millions of legal voters, was eventually shut down after a right-wing campaign citing a handful of false registrations created by hired workers, registrations that, by the way, were never once Used to cast any fraudulent vote anywhere. Echoing some of the disqualified GOP candidates for governor, uh, organizer Rowe similarly argued that petition circulators victimized the secure My Vote effort and that they, in fact, were the victims of a fraud scheme. Other organizers who have led petition drives in the state. Successful ones, which didn't include fraudulent signatures, took issue with uh, Rose explanation. Nancy Wang, executive director of Voters Not Politicians, a nonpartisan advo- advocacy group that successfully backed a citizens initiative to reform redistricting in Michigan, told Salon, quote, at the end of the day, you have to take responsibility for who you hired to collect your signatures before going on to accuse the Defend My Vote campaign of abusing the citizen initiative process. Joining us now is Nancy Wang, who in addition to serving as executive director and a founding member of Voters Not Politicians, is a former law professor at the University of Michigan. She led the team that successfully drafted and passed the state constitutional amendment language that established the Michigan Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission in hopes of ending gerrymandering in Michigan. Nancy Wang, welcome to the broadcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Now, uh, there
1: were other problems and concerns about this Secure My Vote effort that we can get to in a minute, but the big question here... Um, what the hell is up with Republicans and petition fraud in Michigan? I mean, this problem seems huge. As I mentioned, it goes back at least a decade. Um, What is going on? And is this only a Republican problem in the state?
2: You know, what is going on? How could we possibly come up with the answer to that? There's (laughs) so many things wrong right now uh, with the GOP and what they're trying to do with voting rights in Michigan. And I think with... What's really kind of caught them uh, is, is this mixture of incompetence, uh, hypocrisy. I mean, they're selling themselves to the voters as the party, you know, these politicians, this campaign that's going to protect us against fraud, never mind that there actually isn't fraud. Mm-hmm. The only fraud that they can demonstrate in our elections is what they have <laughs> inside their own camp. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard. I, I don't want to kind of... You know, make fun of this at all, but but it really is ironic, at the very least, that you know they have been the victim of their own fraud when yeah. they've tried to kind of victimize voters uh-huh. uh, with all of these shenanigans.
1: With not just uh, shenanigans, but attempts to make it harder for those voters to. Participate in their own democracy. Now, other than the incident that I mentioned when uh, then Congressman uh, Thaddeus McCotter's top aides were charged with dozens of uh, crimes when they falsely created merely 1000 signatures needed to get him on the ballot back in 2012. Uh, He eventually dropped out of that race. Uh, Has there been subsequent issues like this in the state or has this all suddenly happened among the uh, GOP stop the steal crowd over the past year?
2: Well, I don't think our state has seen any kind of fraud like this to this degree. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think this really is a um, an interesting year. I I don't. Again, I think there's just so many uh, candidates out there, and there's this kind of feeling among them um, that they, you know, that they just don't have any respect for our system. Um, You know, when you saw the arguments of Perry Johnson, he wanted the courts just to, you know, forget about these signatures. You know, it doesn't matter whether they're fraudulent or, you know, real. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of attitude is new also. And I wonder if it just kind of permeates through all of the, you know, uh, the different vendors that they've been contracting to do these signatures.
1: Now, Salon's report notes that uh, long before last week's announcement that the Secure My Vote operation would not meet the deadline for filing, the effort was reportedly plagued by allegations that petition circulators were misleading voters. What was that
0: about?
2: Right. So we at Voters Not Politicians, you know, we have a lot of volunteers. We, um, you know, we're known as a nonpartisan voting rights group, and we Um, had people come to us reporting uh, signers' remorse. You know, they were saying that, you know, they were told that here's a voting rights petition. Do you support voter ID? Yes, these signers did. And they were asking questions about, well, what else is in in this petition? Mm -hmm. And they weren't giving any answers. They were just told, oh, well, this is, number one, it's going to go on the ballot, which wasn't true. Um, And then number two, this really, you know, just sign this if you care um, about people being able to get ID if they can't afford it.
1: So, uh, so let me focus on that. I, I, you, so they were saying this is to put this initiative on the ballot, but that that wasn't true. Um, so, a, they're misleading voters, but b, was this known all along that this really was not going to ever go on the ballot? It was the plan was always to just qualify for the ballot and then have it passed by the GOP legislature. Right.
2: They actually proudly announced that that was their kind of two. Q- two-part plan um, mm-hmm. right at the very beginning. So, you know, the head of the GOP came out and said, you know, we, we really need to suppress the vote like they're doing in every other state. Um, what we're going to do is introduce a package of voter suppression bills. They're going to go to the legislature. They're going to pass in both chambers, and they'll be vetoed. And we're going to ride that wave of anti-governor sentiment mm-hmm. and, and get those petitions out there with the same measures on them and get signatures so that we could give those measures back to the legislature. And then, unfortunately, there's this, you know, loophole in our Constitution that allows the legislature then to pass the laws directly um, without the governor being able to veto them and without the voters being able to vote vote on them on the ballot. And,
1: and yeah, that's what I kind of want to ask about. So it sounds like that's a a, a legal thing. They know what they're doing. Is that provision in Michigan law that allows uh, initiatives to be passed this way in a veto-proof manner? Uh, is is that a good is that law a good idea? Uh, and if not, uh, what would it take to actually change it?
2: Well, unfortunately, it is written in our constitution. Uh, I nobody understands exactly why uh, because it's so anti democratic. So it does allow a group like Secure My Vote to basically turn the petition process on its head, right? So voters, not politicians, like you said, we ran a campaign in 2018 to end gerrymandering. We collected 428,000 signatures mm-hmm. by citizens to put on the ballot a citizens initiative so that we could take back our power from legislators, politicians who weren't, you know, doing the right thing, right? They were gerrymandering mm-hmm. the heck out of our maps. So now what this group is doing is it's headed by the GOP, funded by the GOP, and they're using this citizens petition process and lying to voters to sign this thing so that they can do an end run around the voters. They're never going to put this yeah. Provisions on the ballot, they were very clear about that. They were just going to ride this loophole through the legislature to get these voter suppression measures passed.
1: <laughs> now, uh, Salon also reports that actually lying to get petition signatures is not actually illegal in Michigan. Is 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 that true? Is that accurate?
2: Yes. You know, another <laughs> thing that really you know, there are a lot of things within the system now that are that are um, you know anti-voter right Uh and and you know there's never been a time in history in the state where they've been exploited in this way so yes these you know these campaigns are going right up to the edge of what is and what isn't legal it's not illegal to lie to a voter to get them to sign but it is unethical it's clearly unethical
1: Uh um,
2: to do that and yet you know they're willing to do whatever it takes to get these um to suppress the vote uh, here in Michigan.
1: Now are signature gatherers in Michigan actually paid by the number of signatures that they are able to gather? I know that's been outlawed in uh, in some locations because uh, the argument being that it leads to, well, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of fraudulent signatures uh, is is uh, are, are they paid by the signature in Michigan?
2: Uh, it depends. They can be paid by the signature for um, still here mm-hmm. in Michigan. They can also be paid by the hour or they can be collected like volunteers, like we do, Uh um, and voters, not politicians. You
1: you mean you were able to collect more than 400,000 legitimate signatures with volunteers not having to pay them off and not having to turn in tens of thousands of forged signatures?
2: Yes, that's right. And the signatures that we handed in Uh to the state, 92% were valid. So with a paid, you know, uh, company like uh-huh. like these companies uh, like these campaigns are using you know this year, I think you'd be lucky to get something like fifty or sixty percent
1: now uh, uh, Roe, the uh, main organizer of the secure my vote uh, campaign, seems to suggest that they will submit the needed valid signatures soon and he says quote, We hope that we can count on the professionalism of the board of elections. Of the Bureau of Elections to promptly certify it, but haven't they already missed the deadline?
2: Yeah, So there is a deadline by which they could have submitted their signatures, and then because you know the the again the process is supposed to allow them then to get on the ballot. Uh-huh. Then you know they met that deadline. Then the Secretary of State's office has to kind of process and certify those signatures in time for them to like actually be printed on the ballot, right? So the Secretary of State's office has like a certain amount of limited time to process their signatures. Mm-hmm. But because they missed that deadline, now the Secretary of State can kind of put them at the bottom of the pile mm-hmm. and go through all of the things that are actually going to be on the ballot. Um, and so they get, you know, kind of to the back of the line and they may or may not get their signatures certified in time for this particular GOP controlled legislature
1: to pass them. And and just to be clear, they would have to actually get the signatures that would actually qualify them for the ballot, even though they're not intending to go on the ballot. But once they get those signatures, once they actually qualify, that's when the uh, Michigan State Legislature can jump in and just pass the law as is without any need for the governor to sign it.
2: Yeah, they would have to. Those signatures have to be checked because they um, have to make sure that they actually collected three hundred forty thousand forty seven signatures. So they have to do that, and then once that's um, you know certified, then the legislature could take that from there.
1: (laughs) Now I I understand Nancy Wang that uh, Democrats in the state Senate have tried to place new restrictions on petition gathering, but uh, that those efforts have been blocked by the uh, Republicans in the state legislature, would any of those restrictions that Democrats had tried to pass actually have helped save Republicans from themselves here, whether it's on this initiative or on the five of the ten GOP uh, candidates for governor who have now been disqualified?
2: Uh, It's hard to say. I think there was Uh, there have been some bills that have been, you know, about, I'm not sure, like, you know, you have to kind of identify paid uh, versus Mm -hmm. volunteer gatherers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the thing about what we're seeing is it's about dishonesty, right? It's about misleading voters. It's about, you know, trying to game the system Mm -hmm. of citizen petitions. And I don't think you could put anything in place that would stop people, (laughs) you know, who don't have any limits whatsoever, um, any kind of Standards that they
0: won't,
2: you know, that they'll abide by Mm -hmm. to
1: further their agenda. Unbelievable, insane story. It sort of keeps getting more and more insane with each passing day. What's going on in Michigan? Uh, On a maybe brighter note, I don't know. Nancy Wang, your as noted, your group, Voters Not Politicians, back in 2018, I believe, uh, successfully passed a ballot initiative. Uh, to create an independent redistricting commission for the great state of Michigan how did uh, how did that work out in its I guess its first run following the 2020 census
2: well according to you know a lot of uh, uh, you know New York Times and 538 we now have the fairest uh, mass in the country so it worked out great we have an actual independent citizens commission no politicians were allowed to serve no lobbyists and because of that you now have, actual fair maps Mm. that are um, drawn around communities um, in our state. And and I will, can I just add, Michigan is so strange because on the one hand, it's all of these politicians doing awful things like we just (laughs) talked about. Yes. But at the same time, it's also the home of, you know, really great voting rights, you know, citizens groups Mm -hmm. like ours. Mm -hmm. And we're doing the same, um, you know, thing this time where we're trying to get voting rights. Um, on the ballot. So, Mm you know, there's both of those things. Voters are fighting back um, and we're winning. Um, Meanwhile, our politicians are, you know, getting kind of more and more um, (laughs) willing to to go to whatever ends they can to keep their own power.
1: Well, and you say your politicians because you're a, a non-partisan uh, voting rights group. I will say your Republican uh, politicians are giving the state a very bad name. It's a beautiful state. You're absolutely right. I actually went to school there, uh, and and so I I hate having to report story after story like this. And that doesn't even mention the I believe it was 11 different uh, places around the state. Reuters reported last week that GOP politicians politicians. Politicians had sort of uh, got inappropriate access to voting system software, made copies, etc. So a lot of uh, ugliness going on politically in, uh, in Michigan right now. So I greatly appreciate you speaking up for the actual positive and good things that are going on in the state. Uh, Nancy Wang is the executive director of Voters Not Politicians, whose efforts include defending and promoting policies that strengthen democracy, imagine that, protect the freedom to vote, and expand voting access. You can find their efforts and support their efforts at VotersNotPoliticians.com and on the Twitters at NotPoliticians. Nancy Wang, really appreciates you joining us today. Please do stay in touch as your own efforts move forward uh, on, on any other uh, campaigns that you may be working on in the days ahead.
2: I will. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. Thank you. Okay, let's take a quick, break. amazing story. Just uh, who knows what other shoes are going to drop in in Michigan? I these know,
0: days. I know. Uh, it's 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 really astounding. I mean, it sounds like voters, not politicians, may have to mount another change to the Mis- Mich- Michigan Constitution yeah. in order to prevent this little sneaky loophole scheme that they've got to to bypass voters and the governor to
1: present to prevent the 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 loophole to sneak around the voters and the governor and uh, maybe something about lying, misrepresenting. Uh, yeah. Ballot initiative to voters—that might be good as well. Uh, we'll see what happens next. Uh, what happens next here on the broadcast? Well, would normally be Green News Report, and yes. it will be. That's coming up. Yes. But there was a story that I promised to uh, touch on on our previous show with uh, primary election results coming in from California that I did not have time to cover, <laughs> and I want to make up for that next. A voting system problem. Right out here in California. That's straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Green News Report pending momentarily.
0: Yes, just hold on, please.
1: Uh, I want to get to this uh, from uh, this week's primary elections on Super Duper Tuesday. Uh, remember, two weeks ago, during the midterm primary elections in Clackamas County, Oregon, where the longtime elected county clerk there, uh, who's had tons of problems over the years, where she failed to test. The uh, b- printed paper ballots that they use in Clackamas County before sending them out to voters so that she didn't notice that the barcodes that were printed on some of the ballots, the barcodes which identify the ballot style, like the precinct of that particular ballot. Tells uh, the
0: computer how to tally it. That correct.
1: Kind of yeah. Not how to tally the actual vote, but. The ballot style, where it's being cast and so forth. So those uh, she didn't test the ballot papers, apparently. So she didn't notice that those barcodes were blurred during the printing on thousands of ballots there such that they could not be read by the optical scan computers. Well, the votes that were handmarked on the paper ballots by voters were actually perfectly readable And valid, but the barcode, which told the computer how to interpret those marks, was uh, being rejected by the scanners. So instead of simply hand counting all of those ballots, which is what I would have done, that seems like it makes sense, the county clerk in Clackamas County decided to have election officials remake, duplicate all of those ballots. By hand to create duplicates of tens of thousands of ballots that could then be run through the scanner instead of simply hand counting the actual votes that voters filled out by hand, which were perfectly readable. Well, guess what happened in San Joaquin County, California this week? Uh, San Joaquin, it's a largely Democratic-leaning county in northern California. It's sort of south of the capital, Sacramento. It's sort of inland from to the east from the Bay Area. This, according to the record in San Joaquin, on Tuesday night, election night is off to a rocky start in San Joaquin County. The tabulation machines at the Registrar of Voter's Office are experiencing a 25 to 30% rejection rate due to a blurry barcode issue with the vote-by-mail ballots. The registrar voters will handle the rejected blurry barcode ballots in the same way they would handle a damaged ballot. California Elections Code allows the registrar voters to duplicate the problematic ballots to count the casted votes.
0: (laughs) Such a waste of time.
1: The uh, duplication, the paper explains, uses a two-person integrity process while under (laughs) camera surveillance. Now, as noted in the past, I find this whole notion of remaking, uh, of of duplicating uh, someone's ballots to be really offensive. I really do not want someone remaking my ballot, uh, you know, because it was bent or, you know, spilled coffee on it or something. It can't go through the, the scanner. Remaking my personal ballot, trusting them to vote as I did, but on a different ballot sheet, especially since it's virtually impossible for anyone to oversee this process to make sure that it's done correctly, particularly when we're talking about thousands and thousands of ballots. Making matters worse, in this case, in San Joaquin, K&H Printers, the state certified vendor that printed ballots in San Joaquin County, has provided 13 staffers to the registrar of voters to assist with the process, and they have been paired with registrar of voters staff. So cool. People that work for the print shop will now be remaking my ballots for me rather than simply hand counting the damn ballots in front of the public. The paper notes that the issue was identified prior to Election Day and all ballots at polling locations should not have the blurry barcode issue. Well, golly, how did we ever survive? How did we ever have elections in this country before the invention of computers? It must have been impossible. Anyway... uh, (laughs) The story continues.
2: <laughs> Indeed it does. And
1: speaking of the story continuing, let's get to it. Our latest green news report.
2: Check out Exxon Mobil. The stock is now up more than
0: 68% this year. Great news for big oil, U.S. gas prices and profits to remain high all summer. Snow-covered Swiss Alps are losing their snow. Plus, Biden proposes a new marine monument while Interior moves to end single-use plastic in national parks. All of
1: those proposals and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
0: I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Let me get this straight. North Korea and South Korea and
2: the United States are now launching missile after missile into the ocean I'm not allowed to use plastic straws, huh? Is that right? (laughs)
1: This is your Green News Report. Yeah, I saved the turtle, the one that got shot by a
2: ballistic missile.
1: Okay, Desi Doyen, the war profiteering continues, and they continue to call it inflation.
0: (laughs) Yes, they do. Gas prices are about 50% higher than a year ago and will remain high until at least autumn. That's according to new projections by the Federal Energy Information Administration. And that is great news for big oil. ExxonMobil stock this week jumped to its highest level since 2014. But new data indicates that the high cost of gas appears to be beginning to undercut demand in the U.S. ahead of the summer driving season. In a hearing this week, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen debunked Senate Republicans' false attacks on President Biden's energy policies. She noted that oil companies are not increasing production despite the high prices and despite sitting on thousands of unused leases on the public's lands ready to drill.
1: They are just raising prices. Their profits are at an all-time high. This is not because the cost of oil has gone up.
0: Yellen said that because oil is a volatile commodity, Commodity traded on global markets, accelerating the transition away from fossil fuels would do much more to protect American consumers. Yes, it would. Given the global nature of these markets, it's virtually impossible for us to insulate ourselves from shocks like the ones that are occurring uh, in Russia uh, that move global oil prices. And look, over the medium term, the critical thing is that We become more dependent on the wind and the sun.
1: Or you could just nationalize the oil companies just saying
0: meanwhile big oil and gas companies are underreporting leaks of methane from their existing drilling operations according to a new report by the House Science Committee oil and gas drillers have internal data showing that their methane emissions in the Texas Permian Basin quote are likely significantly higher than official data reported to the Environmental Protection Agency shocking the report calls for tougher surveillance measures to force drillers to do more to Control potent climate warming methane leaks that cause dangerous man-made climate change. Yeah,
1: but that would just cost the money cut into their record profits.
0: In Europe, a new study confirms that the European Alps are greening as the region warms due to man-made climate change. Satellite data show that the famous snow-covered Alps are gradually turning from white to green. The new research finds that 77% of the Alps above the tree line have experienced a greening over the last four Forty years, with plants now growing at higher elevations than before where previously they would not have survived. Mm. Here in the U.S., it's not much better. Federal scientists project in a new study that Colorado will lose half of its snow by 2080 and look more like Arizona. Parts of Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah are drying out due to climate-driven changes in stream flows, shifting those states into more arid conditions like the Southwest. Colorado won't turn into a desert, the researchers say, but it will be hotter, drier, and a lot less skiable in just a few decades. I've
1: got a solution. What's that? Get rid of the federal scientists.
0: But some good news. In a major step to reduce plastic pollution in our national parks, Interior Secretary Deb Holland this week signed a new order directing the department to reduce the purchase, sale, and distribution of single-use plastic products and packaging on federal properties and to find alternatives that are biodegradable or compostable with a goal of phasing out single-use plastics entirely by 2032. And finally, in honor of World Oceans Day on Wednesday, President Biden announced a number of ocean conservation efforts, including proposing a new undersea marine sanctuary in the Hudson Canyon, an underwater canyon about 100 miles from New York City that rivals the Grand Canyon in size. The proposed monument is part of the Biden administration's broad plan to safeguard 30 percent of U.S. lands and waters by 2030 and the wildlife that lives there, preserving critical habitat threatened by development and global warming.
1: We'll take whatever we can get at this point. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And
0: I'm Desi Doyle, And
1: this has been your Green News Report.
0: Happy we'll be beyond the
1: sea And never again I'll go sailing Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, just a quick note, there is a very um, important and dangerous heat wave that is going to affect uh, a good section of the country in the southwest and going further east. So just be aware, pay attention to your weather report, please, and get prepared if you are in the area where this... Like I said, potentially deadly record heat wave is going to be affecting a lot of people, like something like 70 million Americans. It
1: could get bad, but we've got lively music to, under us to tell you about it. <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: Thank you
1: very much, Desi and our producer. Thanks to my guest today, Nancy Wang of VotersNotPoliticians.com. And thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. It is always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download all of them going back years and years for free at bradblog.com. All of which, everything that we do is made possible by listeners like you. You, actually, not just like you, but you who stopped <laughs> by Bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep going as long as we can here. Bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am Bradcast at Bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Blog. We will see you there at all of the above until we see you here next time with January six hearing coverage on the next Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. So long sailing, bye-bye sail.